AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Energy supplies, grain supplies, inflation, higher interest rates, more jobs but higher unemployment, and a threat to democracy as we know it. We've got a lot of ground to cover on the free-for-all today, and we will head to the University of Missouri for our last stop on this fall's College Road Show. Live from the beginning of the end of this week's coverage via Farm Journal broadcast, this <laughs> is AgriTalk. This morning, it's our Friday Murray for Hell. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. And later, we'll check in with Farm Journal's annual college road show with Dr. Randy Prather from the University of Missouri. Right after the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Laurie. All right, Davis, thank What's you shaking, so homie? much. Yeah. Uh, man, I tell you what's shaking is, well, you know what? I was mm-hmm. going to I was going to say the leaves on the trees were shaking, uh-huh. but after the rain started falling at about 6:45 this morning, mm-hmm. when that front blew through, whoo. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, it it kind of came through with 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 uh with it announced its presence with some mm-hmm. wind. Yeah. Let's put it that way. And there's not a lot of leaves left on the trees all of a sudden yeah. up here. We're getting rain. We we are getting the much-anticipated, much-needed rain. Uh, eastern Kansas is getting the rain. Central, northern Oklahoma, mm-hmm. there's some light showers that are just making their way into the panhandle of Texas. And get this, looks like some light snow making its Ooh. way from in uh, in western Kansas into central Kansas and even into south central Nebraska this morning. So uh, it, we here at the uh, southern outpost looks like we are right on the edge of the rain, 60 degrees yeah. locally here. So uh, we're we're signed up for the same program as you've got going, Chip. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And this temperature, it, it, this rain that's falling out there, it's one of those. It, it is definitely, definitely a uh, fall rain it's 43 degrees and i was just out there cleaning out the Mm -hmm. drain because Mm -hmm. all the leaves have fell early cleaning out the drain and it is one of those cold fall rains out there it's going to be around all day all day all right buddy we got a lot of ground to cover today let's go ahead and get started with the news what do you got Lots to get to. Let's start with uh, some economic news, a massive data dump here real quick. The U.S. economy added a stronger than expected 261,000 jobs in October. That was above market forecasts of 205,000, while the weakest reading since December of 2020. Figures continue to point to a strong, albeit slowing, labor market. Chip, the U.S. unemployment rate increased by two-tenths of a percentage point to 3.7% in October. That's up from September's 29-month low of 3.5%, slightly above market expectations. Average hourly earnings for all employees on private non-farm payrolls in the U.S. rose by $0.12 cents on the month. Yeah, up four, I think the number was up 4.7% year-on-year on the hourly earnings. We'll talk more about that later. Well, according to Freddie Mac, the average U.S. mortgage rate dropped after a three-week run of gains that sent borrowing costs to a two-decade high. 
The average for a 30-year fixed loan fell to 6.95% after surging past 7% last week. Demand has to be backing off a little bit there, no doubt. Well, Chip, diesel supplies in the U.S. are becoming a concern across the country and especially in rural America, as we've discussed. Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transport Coalition, notes the timing is exacerbating tightening supplies. We've got kind of a real tightening here, and again, it's not at a very opportune time. Particularly a lot of the northeast part of the United States, they still utilize home heating oil. That'll be a further demand for things like diesel fuel. So, yeah, it's obviously something that's a real concern. And for farmers, there are certain pockets where I'm hearing supplies are more limited, scarce. I've had a couple of farmers tell me that the availability is day-to-day, but then other areas of the country, they've been able to get their supplies. But I think overall, this is something that is going to be an emerging concern in this country. Now, Chip, meanwhile, the disparity between gasoline and diesel prices is growing. AFBF senior economist Veronica Nye blames supply and demand. On the supply side, back in March, the U.S. banned imports of Russian oil and Russian petroleum products. While we only get 3% of our oil from Russia, we get 20% of our petroleum products from that country. And a lot of those petroleum products that we were importing are used to make diesel fuel. We've also seen some downturn in production as refiners have been taking their plants down for maintenance. And Chip, let's keep it with the petroleum side. The U.S. General Accounting Office yesterday released a report on the EPA's decision-making when it comes to small refinery exemptions from the Renewable Fuel Standard. The Renewable Fuels Association uh, called the report, quote, obsolete on arrival, with President Jeff <laughs> Cooper chiding, quote, in 2019, a bipartisan group asked the GAO to investigate the gross mismanagement of the small refinery exemption program by former EPA administrators Pruitt and Wheeler, Now, more than three years later, and less than one week before the midterm elections, GAO puts out a shoddy report that is friendly to oil refiners and purports to answer questions no one ever asked. (laughs) Whew! Scathing response from Jeff Cooper. That's perfect, Jeff. Uh, The U.S. and Taiwan will hold in-person trade talks in New York next week as they deepen ties despite opposition from China. The votes of the two largest rail workers unions will be known by mid-November. Two unions have rejected a proposed deal, while six have approved it. Others are still deciding. Uh, China says it may make substantial changes to its dynamic zero-COVID policy. That's set to take place soon. And foreign ministers of the group of seven countries plan to decide on fresh economic support to rebuild Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Chip. Excellent, Davis. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Let's bring in Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. All right. So you were in Indianapolis last week at the FFA convention. 69,000 attendees there, and some of those attendees participated in the AgriScience Fair. What did you learn? Well, first of all, I didn't realize how big of an event it has grown to be. There were 740 entries that came in from throughout the country that qualified, you know, from their states. And I just had so much fun going around and checking out those different posters and visiting with the kids about what they were learning. And, um, you know, it was pretty incredible. And it's cool because I was talking to one young lady from Texas who basically has a major scholarship for research now at Oklahoma State University because of this uh, participation in the agri-science fair over wow. the years and and uncovering a passion for answering some of those hard questions and challenges that we just run into in every day life 
that it, it can turn into so much for these kids, for these students, if they if they commit to it. It, it the rewards come later for them, don't they? They sure do. And and I think that one of the things that these kids are learning in this agri-science is that sometimes we just have to recognize that not everything is a failure, but sometimes they're just setbacks. And, you know, I listened to a few of the older, uh, more experienced leaders in the agri-science program itself kind of share that, you know, these kids are learning how yep. to basically run into obstacles and then figure yep. out a way to get around them and restart and Okay, I'm gonna put. I got to put a limit on you. Ten seconds. Proud mamas. Proud mom. Yes, yes. My daughter ended up winning her category of the Agri Science Fair. It was pretty fun. Absolutely. You guys go to www.porkbusiness.com to get more of this. Congratulations to Olivia. All right, we are going to be back with the free for all here in just a moment. AgriTalk is brought to you by Bex. Bex Hybrids is with you every turn because both on and off the field, we're all farmers at heart. See why at BexHybrids.com. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And... It can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program, which cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Let's get the panelists in here for the free-for-all. Davis? Davis? Sir? Are you yes? still there, Davis? Boop, 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 boop. Come in, All Chip Flory. All right, buddy. Hey-o. All right. Jim Wiesmeyer, Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Chip. Ready to vote and count them. Absolutely. We're going to talk about that for sure, for sure, for sure. But first, our wayward son, Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. He's back to the free-for-all. Sean, how are you, buddy? Oh, Chip, I'm doing great. It it was two weeks, but it felt like forever. Uh, It's great to be back. Okay, it felt like forever. Was, Was that because, is that a good thing? (laughs) <laughs> no, I just I missed you guys. I missed you guys. Uh, we, yeah, we had right. a great time. We, we were uh, over in the the UK. Uh, also, did a day, a couple days in Northern Ireland and Dublin, which I highly recommend to anybody that uh, goes over. The Dublin is a fantastic city. Went to the Guinness factory. It was awesome. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's great to be back. Good, good, good. What'd you learn? Well, the UK is a is a area that is really, really looking at a fork in the road. 
uh, it was very interesting to be there at the time where uh, Prime Minister Truss was, you know, booted. Uh, she had to step down. Uh, there was a period of a weekend where, you know, was, was Boris Johnson coming back? It was very <laughs> entertaining to kind of follow the news. Um, there's a lot of concern about the devaluation of the pound. Uh, that's got people concerned. Uh, that also attaches to Brexit and some of the impacts. Um, there, there's a lot of work for the new Prime Minister Sunak to do going forward here to try to stabilize uh, the, the UK. Um, the other thing I would mention is that I wish we had a train system like they do over there. Like the, the ability to get around through by, by train and the speed at which they move. I, I really wish we had more of that in North America. I know we have Amtrak in the U.S., but um, I, I it just I, I wish we had more volume of that. Yeah. yeah. You know, we've got Amtrak in the U.S., but I would venture to guess that, what, 95 percent of the population in the United States would look at that as, uh, you know, someday I'm going to do that once. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's well, I, it's I, not I, considered the main source. It, it, and even most don't consider it an even a, a viable option of transportation. Option. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in January, I'm going to do it, I think. I'm going to go from Shelby, Montana. I'm going to speak in Minot. So I'm going to take yeah. the train to Minot. I'm, I'm checked, but it's a nine-hour trip. It's pretty <laughs> that's – that's a journey. Uh, but I want to go through the experience at least. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. Jim Weismeyer. the Fed this week raised interest rates 75 basis points. And then this morning we get the non-farm payrolls up 261,000 trade expected something closer to 200,000. The unemployment rate up to 3.7% from 3.5%. What do you make of all of this? I mean, it looks like the market is factoring in at least a half point and putting pretty good odds on another three-quarter point increase in December. Yeah, they're about 50-50 on that, uh, Chip. I think they're going to have to see some more information. But uh, the report today, to me, uh, probably uh, has the Fed uh, more confident of that they're on the right track here of uh, keeping uh, okay, why? Jacking, up, uh, jacking up rates. What, why do you say that? Well, because we had, well, you have to see, in order to get this so-called pivot, you have to get that job growth to the low 100,000 area. Oh, so uh, this is so, the third consecutive month of a slowing increase in job growth. So you that's enough matter. evidence that we're in the right direction? No, no absolutely not. Yeah. No, you're gonna you're gonna go to the five to six percent area on the Fed funds rate by the end of next year. Yeah, it, and, it it this momentum is not slowing. It just it, it seems to be that way in the U.S. and Canada that we are not done. Even though there's you know economists starting to speak out and saying like ah, I think we're going too far. We're gonna be careful. We're gonna repeat the problems of the '80s and you know trying to destroy the economy. The numbers, the numbers are showing that they, they're just not done yet. Powell's comments yesterday were very, excuse me, on Wednesday, I believe it was. On Wednesday, it was very clear what he said. He is not afraid of overshooting on interest rates. He is, well, that, doesn't, he, that doesn't scare him at all. Well, he knows because it was his his and the Fed's uh, problem to begin with, and they didn't react uh, until about a year later. He knows he's going to be the villain in the future. 
Yep. You, you wait till you see not only Democrats, but Republicans come after him and he and he has to have alligator skin now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, even more so yeah. when the Trump administration was in place. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, it's going to be uh, it, basically what he said was, listen, you can't lower interest rates if they're not too high. Uh, and so he is still very focused on dragging the economy to a shutdown. It's, you know, I shouldn't have said shutdown after what we went through with the pandemic and everything. But, you know, just cl- basically close down the economy or, or economic growth and then be willing to uh, re-stimulate with lower interest rates uh, following that. But. He is not afraid of overshooting at this point. You know, Chip, um, Chip, I look at Starbucks. Look at all the money being spent. Look at their earnings report. Until I see a downturn in Starbucks, I'm not going to get too excited that we've seen the last of the run-up in rate rises. Well, And here's the reality. There, there's going to be some pain on the debt service side of the equation. There, there's no way to avoid it because the pain of not keeping inflation under control is even worse. And, yeah. and, and, and in North America, inflation is a real concern. But if you, you look at other areas, like I saw a number out of Venezuela this week, inflation's 300 yeah. <laughs> percent. I'm not saying we're getting to that, but you know, th- this right. is something that a lot of countries, first world and third world, are dealing with. Right. And Jim, the Treasury is now upside down, right? They are making more interest payments than what they are bringing in. Yeah, here we go. And and uh, that's that's problems for the future, Chip. Yes. And what what Powell's also concerned about uh, inflation being coming entrenched as it gets into services and other areas. And that's why they uh, this the rates will eventually lead to a recession. And he he knows it's going to have to happen. Yeah. Um, Another poll out this morning and. You know what? I didn't make a note of it, but it just continued the trend of several other polls that I've seen. I make a note of the source of it, I should have said. Uh, but it continues the trend of several polls that were out this week. Inflation is right at the top of the list. 89% of likely voters in this particular poll said that inflation is their number one issue. Uh, and we've got four days to go to the elections, Jim. What, is, what does that mean? Well, it's it's back to really at the beginning of this election campaign. We just went through this summer with the Supreme Court ruling on the Dobbs that that gave some enthusiasm to the uh, Democrats. That appears to be tempered. Bottom line, you're right. Economy and inflation. You go to the supermarket uh, frequently, uh, you know, during a week and you see those huge gas signs with the prices, although they've come down, they're hurting. And you've already mentioned the diesel prices, which will continue to go up. And unlike USDA, which is now being called the Department of Announcements, they can't bring rain to the Mississippi yeah. River. Yeah, thank yeah. gosh. It, it, we, was, we it Carville, was it Carville? Was it Carville? Is the economy stupid? Yes. The, the Clinton, Clinton campaign? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was going to make that point. Clinton owned it. Clinton absolutely owned it. Said, you know, it's the economy. We got to do better here. We got to. And, and he acknowledged and understood that it was a problem. You guys, this administration won't even talk about it. They send they they send their number one campaign guy, former President Obama, out on the stage, and all he talks about is how this election is a threat 
to democracy? And he Are got heckled me? when he when he said this is an economy for the rich. Somebody yelled out, "Yeah, like you, like you, Obama." I yeah. saw that. But well, and, th- and there this... is sort of an interesting trend. It felt like for a long time the Democrats really wanted this election to be about abortion, and yeah. that, I mean, which yeah. is fine. It's a big issue for some. Um, but really, yeah, exactly right. It goes down to the idea. Oh, huh. Turns out the voting public does really respond. To economic peril and and wants to do something about it. Yeah, and well, here you, you, you saw know, with the you saw Biden this week. They're bringing January six back into it as right. What, what they're trying a- to absolutely. do. Absolutely, that that horrible yeah. speech that Biden gave again. They want to make sure that this is a, not a referendum on the Biden administration, but a so-called choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you guys, but this this argument that democracy is at a risk is it, it, it you know they're basically saying democracy is at risk if you vote republican it's an insult to every voter out there saying that democracy survives only if one side wins right. is evidence that democracy is already threatened and you know i hate to say this but how many times do we have to remind one party that this is a constitutional republic like come on My mom's got a new Case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now is ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, take me straight to the soy complex. What is going on? Yeah, well, just another rip higher in the uh, soy oil market, and uh, that's that's lending uh, strong support to soybeans, and uh, the meal market is higher as well. So soy complex futures are are, uh, uh, sharply higher as we close out the week here, and and uh, uh, but really the the story has been the uh, the oil market, the veg oil market uh, globally, and and here domestically this week with uh, just strong gains there. Um, you know, corn market, uh, it's been choppy this morning, to be yeah. honest with you. And, and given that the dollar is down 1,700 points at the moment oh, and, and holy smokes. soybeans are doing what they're doing, uh, disappointing trade, I think, here in, in corn. And, and some of that is spread unwinding. So we're seeing uh, short, uh, long corn, short soybean spread unwinding, and, and that's supporting soybeans as well and, and limiting buyer interest in corn. Man, I didn't realize the dollar was off that that much. That is a plunge. That came just after the uh, employment data, right? 
Yeah, so the the dollar's been really volatile here recently. Uh, yeah. You know, the, what the Fed's going to do? Uh, they're going to continue to raise interest rates. There's no doubt about yeah. that. It, it's just the pace at which they raise the interest rates at the big gotcha. debate there and and the influence of the dollar price action. Yep, take us over to the livestock trade. Yeah, pretty quiet, to be honest with you. Live cattle futures starting to perk up a little bit in some of those contracts after a, uh, a mostly weaker start there. Uh, feeder cattle, uh, they're trading to the upside despite the mild strength in the corn market this morning. Uh, so so a little bit of uh, corrective action there. And then hogs uh, narrowly mixed. And, and like I said, just pretty quiet price action in, uh, in both cattle and hog futures. All right, Brian. Thanks, buddy. Good work this week. We'll talk to you again next week. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady on Markets Now. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do oh not boy. necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Got the listeners a little fired up there at the end of the last segment, guys. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. <laughs> We've got the free-for-all going with uh, Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney, Davis Michelson, and me. Uh, I'm going to say that one more time. Basically, what the Democrats are saying in Obama and Biden in his speech on w- Wednesday night um, is saying that democracy survives only if one side wins. Um, we smire, you know, we have to remember it, 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 this is all a reference to the the 2020 and President Trump's claims that the election was rigged, that the election was stolen, which it wasn't. But that's not the first time that that claim was made. I think if we're going to go and find the original first, well, maybe not the original first time, but in my memory, the first time that that claim was made had something to do with hanging chads in the state of Florida. Well, yes, right? it was even around before that as far as the election deniers from both political parties. And, right. you know, there's been very few elections in which you can prove anything went uh, awry that would have changed the outcome. That That's 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 the bottom line. And right. this is a lingering fester now by by Trump to, to and and his uh, significant you know, followers. But uh, I, again, DeSantis always says to look ahead. And I think he's spot on there. Don't look behind. We got to look yeah. forward. But you it, know, but it, it, just, more, it, it makes go ahead, Sean. I was going to say the more both parties do this, the more the more you push people to the precipice of not believing in election results. Right. The more the consequences of that in people's faith in democracy falls on their shoulders, they're responsible for it. And it, yes. it, it scores political points, but you're, it's a very, very dangerous game they're playing here. Like very dangerous. Yeah, and it I ups agree. the emotionality. This is why people uh, who have mental problems get more and more upset. Well, yeah. and that's exactly right. The emotionality of it, which is extremely superficial, and we're experiencing some some problems that do hit the kitchen table and at some point that superficiality just doesn't cut the mustard anymore right now yeah all good points um guys we we've got the uh it's tuesday i i cannot say this i i cannot say this strongly enough vote and i 
I am one of those guys that with all honestly, all honesty can say this. I don't care who you are going to vote for. I do not. I just want you to vote and and make your opinion known in the ballot box. Here, here. And be an active participant in the process. Please vote. Okay, we got to move on. What's going on in China, Jim? They're talking about moving away from the, uh, you know, zero COVID policy? Well, that it started on the social media and it keeps propping up. And that's what's uh, part of the reason today for not only the U.S., but definitely the uh, robust moves in the Asian equity markets. And it's going to take some time is the latest thing coming out of China. But this South China Morning Post also had this chip and and they have a pretty good reputation. So, yeah, I think a change is coming, but it's not going to happen in in a few weeks. Okay, it won't happen in a few weeks, but this is a good sign, isn't it, Haney? I mean, it's going to bring some stability back to the global economy if we can see some productivity out of China again. Yeah, honestly, I think a lot of the world is cheering for this. Uh, People have been sort of scratching their heads at the attitude towards this policy, whether, you know, the change would be as a result of the Congress that happened or whatever the enabler of it is. I I think it's something we should be cheerleading, especially when we're, you know, so much of the manufacturing. uh, We we live through the chip crisis. I've got Chinese ports. We we rely on China to be productive on their export. A lot of times we talk about, you know, what are they importing when it comes to agricultural commodities, but we rely on a lot of stuff that is coming out of that country as well. We need it operating, uh, turning and burning and, uh, and really making it happen. And, and this policy has really been a deterrent against that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's stay in Asia, Jim. What does North Korea think they're doing with, with it, it seems like a, a lot of saber rattling happening right now. And let's hope it's saber rattling because uh, the the U.S. and our allies uh, told you know North Korea that if you use a nuclear weapon against any allied nations, it'll result in the end of the Kim regime. So uh, you know they got the clear message. Don't you dare! Right. And uh, boy, it, <laughs> you've got missiles and test missiles and warning missiles and everything crossing paths over there right now it just uh i i i don't know if if we've if i've experienced this level of intensity in in the region it increases the chance of a big mistake is what i you know what it is yeah you don't want it to happen i've kind of had in my head we're we're waiting on china to do something with taiwan now we got north korea fired up russia is still a thing feels like that there's another shoe perhaps to fall there i keep thinking well they're they got to do something before the election because if if the senate and the house flip we may be looking at a stronger uh more more hawkish america that they maybe don't want to deal with but we're just a few days away yeah yeah, crazy. Very okay, unstable let's for people that live in that region. I was talking to a friend of mine in Tokyo, and mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're right in the path of all that happening. We, we're a long ways mm-hmm. from it. Like it yeah. feels, you know, it's the other side of the world, right? When right. when you're in living in that region, it's it's oh. got people's uh, keeps you up at night. Yeah, well, it's just like the border issue. When I yeah. went down to southern Texas, boy, it they they feel it every day, not just once a week, every day. And uh, you know that, that's you know very similar that you almost have to uh, you mm. you you'll see it and and react to it yourself. 
speaking of that, Jim, say the 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 momentum that we continue to hear about going into Tuesday is correct. GOP takes the House. GOP takes the Senate. Is something going to get done on the border? Uh, you know, I I actually think so. Uh, sometime next year. Now I get a lot of naysayers on that, which honestly makes me feel more comfortable. But I, I think that you <laughs> will get some movement by both political parties on on immigration reform. Maybe not the major immigration reform, but that will be good for the ag sector because we need more uh, what H two A workers, yeah. et cetera. So there are kernels of optimism on that. Chip is how I'd write it. Okay, why, real Jim? quickly. Yeah, <laughs> so I, ahead, I hope Jeff, you're sorry. right. Yeah, uh, we got to keep moving on, but I want to stay geopolitical here for just a moment. Russia, on, off, on, off, on, on the grain export deal. Uh, That's Putin's way of getting leverage. Okay. Yeah, so and a little bit of calling of the bluff, too, yeah, because it's going to stay that way moving. until the 19th, then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Boy, if you're trading wheat, Buckle up, <laughs> because that wheat market <laughs> loves to respond to Russian headlines. So just buckle up for that. Well, you know this, Chip. Day traders actually like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow the rumors and then spread them when they're positioned. Darn right. I mean, if, if the floor was still full and the wheat market was reacting to headlines out of, out of Russia like this, I know exactly the people that would be in the middle of the pit loving it. Yeah. They'd be making a penny as many times as they possibly could, and it would be a lot, a yeah. lot. Bottom yeah. line, it will be extended, and Putin will get more of his grains and okay. fertilizers uh, exported. Okay. All right. Uh, let's let's move to this one, because this one I thought it really caught my eye in your report this morning, Jim. What's going on with the emergency relief program? Well, it, this is a very, my emails, a lot of emails on this one. Within the week to 10 days, I was told that phase two will be released by USDA. Now, you know, that'll cover uh, those that didn't receive an, an initial indemnity payment uh, chip and producers who did not have crop insurance. Now, also, USDA is telling me don't expect a top up of phase one payments because remember, there weren't 100 percent payouts. Now, I don't I don't think that means it won't ever happen, but I think they're getting worried about the funding uh, mechanism. Well, I think they should be worried about it every time that we talk about, again, if the polls are correct or, or the uh, the yeah, the polls. Uh, suggesting a GOP takeover. Everybody that we talked to, Jim, including uh, Representative Graves earlier this week, thinks that if the GOP takes the House and the Senate, there's going to be a major effort underway to cut deficit spending and the debt. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> all said we're doing hawkish. a farm bill harder. Yeah. yeah. Say it again, Sean. Don't you guys think? Well, I was going to say all of a sudden we're hawkish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, don't you guys think if you are, uh, you know, if, if it is going to be a Speaker of the House, a McCarthy, uh, or even if you're a Democrat, aren't you kind of somewhat hoping for a real landslide Republican win in the House? Because it gives McCarthy flexibility on not having to listen to more of the extreme right end of the party, like uh, Congressman Green. Yeah. Uh, it sort of takes yep. maybe we get a little bit more of a. a a moderate Republican party as opposed to him needing some of those votes on the, on the, the outside part of the party. 
Yes, it, it, gives, it gives McCarthy speak likely speaker more flexibility. Uh, that that be a bottom line. They the Republicans need a net gain of twenty five to thirty seats. They may get it. Yeah, I think they they just might get it. And if they do, you're exactly right, Haney. It, it will give the new speaker much more flexibility. Guys, that's all the time we got for the free for all. Sean Haney, thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Yeah, cheers. I got Tennessee this weekend over Georgia, everybody. All right. Love that. All right, Jim. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next week. Go Astros. Go Astros. Okay, whatever. Uh, Davis, we'll talk to you again this afternoon, man. Royals aren't playing as far as I know. Actually, we've got another segment to go, don't we? Yeah, we got one more. Dr. Randall Prather from the University of Missouri. I'll bring us back. I'll handle it. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out caseih.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. We don't make the news. We render it. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk, everybody. Your pal Davis Michelson here. Chip Flory joins up. Before we get to the conversation with Dr. Randy Prather, let's get to today's Yields in the Fields. Yields in the Fields on AgriTalk is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. Okay, today we are in northeast Indiana, Whitley County, where a farmer says, quote, this corn crop is one I will remember that just wouldn't give up. Basically zero precip in June, blown almost flat twice. A six to nine inch rain event in July leached a lot of nitrogen and drowned a bunch of six to seven foot tall corn. We were four inches short on rainfall for the year, still yielded 10% over the 10 year APH. Unbelievable, he says. Yields in the Fields is brought to you by Microessentials from Mosaic. Chip. Thank you, Davis. The Farm Journal College Roadshow this week is at the University of Missouri. I'm sure that Tyne Morgan was happy to be home again. Thanks to Bex for making our coverage of the College Roadshow possible. Tyne will have full coverage this weekend on U.S. Farm Report. Joining me now, Dr. Randall Prather. He is a Curator's Distinguished Professor in the Animal Sciences Research Center at the University of Missouri. Dr. Prather, it's an exciting time at the University of Missouri with the investment in the National Swine Resource and Research Center. Tell me about the center and what this new investment means. Yeah, this is really an exciting time. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about it. Um, The Swine Center was established about 20 years ago, and we serve as a core facility 
for people from that are funded by the National Institutes of Health to uh, create models of human disease. And this has just been very popular. We've filled up our high biosecurity facility with pigs. Um, we don't have another extra pen for pigs to stand in. So we applied to the National Institutes of Health for additional funding to basically double the size of our high biosecurity facility. And um, we'll be built, building on that. You know, everything takes as, twice as long, costs twice as much, it seems like. We actually won't break, be able to break ground until February 24. Uh, but then we're excited to be able to have that new space so that we can meet the needs of those uh, biomedical investigators. Okay. What kind of research and, and developments take place inside of the center? So a lot of what we do is create genetic models of human disease. So, for example, we have pigs that get cystic fibrosis. Why is that important? Because you can take that same mutation that occurs in people and put it in other species like mice, and they get no symptoms of cystic fibrosis. So the only way you can go in invasively and monitor development and progression of disease is to create a pig that gets that disease that you can then, then work on. Um, this work, a lot of this work is in collaboration with Mike Welsh and, and David Stoltz at University of Iowa. They have a huge cystic fibrosis program there. Mm -hmm. And basically, we make the pigs for their program. Uh, Mike came and visited, Mike and David both came and visited, uh, I guess it was a year or so ago, and they took the lab out to lunch. And at the end of lunch, they stood up and said, you guys have no idea how you working on a microscope, how you working with cells, how you working with pigs has improved the quality of life of my patients. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, so we make pigs for cystic fibrosis. We make pigs for um, phenylketonuria. We make pigs that get diabetes. We make pigs that get cardiovascular disease. We can induce cancer in any cell type. And again, these are all situations where another model is not available. So mice don't replicate what humans have. Um, what, uh, what, why pigs? Why, why, why are pigs such a good model for this? There's a lot of different reasons. One is they're similar in size. Um, pigs are quite used quite extensively for uh, a lot of studies where they need to develop devices. Well, if you look at the similarity in size, you can use potentially use pig organs, transferring those into humans. Again, the plumbing's pretty similar. And so it, the, the, the surgeons, the plumbers can hook up another heart if we can make the heart so it's not rejected. Um, there's just a lot of reasons to do the pig. Uh, genetically, they're uh, quite similar to humans. Yeah, yeah. Well, and even infant nutrition is something that you can study it in piglets, correct? Oh, absolutely. The pig is a great model for human infant nutrition. Other things that we're trying to do is make pigs with uh, defective outflow tracts from their heart, uh, the blood vessels that are leaving the heart. You say, well, why would you want to do that? Well, number one, we want to study heart development. But number two, we want something for surgeons to have a chance to practice on before they actually go into a human infant. It's fantastic work. Uh, yeah, you think about the lives that you're impacting with the work that you are doing with pigs there at the center. It is absolutely incredible. Let's get onto the farm here for, for a minute because PERS across the upper Midwest is something that a lot of guys are dealing with. What's the status of the management of PERS? Well, as we know, the vaccines don't work. In fact, the vaccines, they have this thing called antibody enhancement. Uh, the vaccines result in antibodies that recognize the PERS virus that you think is a good thing. But actually, where does that antibody take that cargo 
to be processed. It takes it to the white blood cells. That's actually the cell the virus infects. And so it's called an enhancement. So um, the vaccines don't work. There's really not a good solution other than doing genetic engineering. And when we look at the cost of this, yeah, it's a huge financial hit. A decade ago, it was estimated to be about $660 million in North America, but 1.5 billion euros in Europe, just in North America and Europe, that's $6 million yesterday. That's going to cost $6 million today. That's going to cost another $6 million tomorrow. That's just, that's a staggering number. And we have a solution if FDA would let us eat these pigs and, and use it. But the financial cost isn't the only thing. This is an animal welfare issue. We have a solution to this disease. These animals get sick and die. Nobody likes to see that. We have a solution for this. This is a sustainability issue. I think we give sustainability a lot of lip service. We talk about what well, we need to be sustainable. Well, we can't afford to have input, food, fuel, labor, whatever, go into animals that are going to underperform or die. I, I really think that a lot of people that don't have association with agriculture, they don't understand that at all. They look at agriculture as a faceless corporation. I mean, where do you get your food? I go to Safeway. Well, they do make it in the back. <laughs> That's right. Thank you, Dr. Prather. That is Dr. Randall Prather from the University of Missouri. Good luck with Kentucky tomorrow, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Again, thanks to Bex for making the College Roadshow possible. Thanks for joining us this morning. Come back this afternoon. We've got a conversation with Dan Utek from New Vision Co-op up in southwest Minnesota right here on Agritalk. Agritalk.